the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Think about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus had huge crowds, thousands upon thousands of people that came to hear him, but most of them came for entertainment purposes. Most of them came just out of curiosity, just to hear this this guy from Galilee. They, they, They weren't there to receive really what he was saying and what he was teaching and to obey his teachings, and to to follow him as his disciples. Sadly, the same is true of many of the people you find in the modern-day church, especially in Western culture, where we've turned church into sort of a consumer product. As Pastor Dan will warn in today's message, instead of church being a place you come to seek more knowledge and intimacy with Christ, as well as fellowship and accountability with other believers— It's become a place you come to get an emotional fix and make social connections. Following Jesus is so much more than that. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 15 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Ezekiel 15, we're also going to look in John's Gospel at John chapter 15. Ezekiel 15, John 15. I'm going to reference some other other verses as well, but uh, you don't necessarily have to turn to those other verses. So, Well, if you remember from last week, we, we left the prophet Ezekiel sitting in his home with the elders of Israel there in in Babylon, that were in the captivity in Babylon. And we saw in chapter 14 that the elders of Israel, they outwardly appeared interested in what God had to say. They outwardly appeared interested in God's word, but inwardly they were full of idolatry. Uh, In chapter 14, verse 2, we're told that they had set up idols in, in their hearts. One thing that you need to understand here is that the elders of Israel and the people that were in the captivity with Ezekiel, they didn't really take Ezekiel's message seriously. They didn't take the Word of God seriously. Uh, in, in fact, they saw Ezekiel as just kind of this uh, religious entertainment. Or just a, a, a curiosity to check out. Uh, I want you to turn with me over to chapter 33 of Ezekiel. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Ezekiel chapter 33. And here in Ezekiel chapter 33, the Lord tells Ezekiel 
uh, what the people thought about Ezekiel and about his message, which was the word of God. And here in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 30, the Lord says to Ezekiel, as for you, son of man, the children of your people. Notice God doesn't say my people. (laughs) They're your people, Ezekiel, they're not mine. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses. And they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Here the Lord tells Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, everybody's talking about you. They're talking about you in their homes and and they're saying, you got to come hear what this guy's saying. You got to hear what the Lord is saying through this prophet Ezekiel. But, but again, they're not genuinely interested in what God has to say. Verse 31, so they come to you as people do and they sit before you as my people do and, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Ezekiel, they like to come and sit before you, sit in your living room and listen to what you have to say and thus saith the Lord and and all. And and, and with their mouths, they they show much love. Oh, I, I love that. I love that Ezekiel the prophet. He says, but their hearts pursue their their own gain. They're, they're covetous for other things. Personal gain is the idea here. Verse 32, 32, Indeed, you are to them, Ezekiel, a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been uh, among them. The, the people like to sit before Ezekiel, but they weren't sincere. They, they weren't in sincere uh, in, in seeking God. Their intention was not to do what God says in His Word. They, they show much love. They, 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 you know, they, they pour praise upon Ezekiel and the things that he, he, he says, but their heart pursue their own gain. They, they had no intention of obeying God or God's word. And in fact, God tells Ezekiel in verse 32 that the people just found Ezekiel entertaining to listen to, like, like, you know, like going to a concert or listening to a singer or a great musician. It was just entertainment for the people, religious entertainment more than once here, he says, they, they would hear the words, but they would not do them. No intention of doing it. They'll come and listen. They'll, they'll, they'll say they enjoy it. They've got no intention. You know, th- this would be like a person who, who comes to church or watches online and Man, what a great sermon. Oh, you gotta, you gotta listen to this sermon. Or, or I'm gonna send you a link. You gotta watch this guy. He's, I mean, it's just amazing what he has to say. But there's no intention of actually obeying or keeping the word. 
You know, Jesus warns us about that. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? If you don't do what he says, then he's, then he's not your, your Lord. James also warns us in the New Testament about being hearers of the word and not doers of the word. John warns in 1 John 3.18, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And we, we can be just like the people in Ezekiel's day where, where we enjoy hearing the word, we enjoy hearing a good sermon or watching something online, but then we don't actually do what the word of God says to do. And, it's, and it turns into just a form of entertainment. But there's no life change. There's no transformation that takes place. That, that's what was happening in Ezekiel's day. Now, turn back to chapter 15 for me. And, and he, again, these religious leaders, the elders of Israel that were there in Babylon with Ezekiel, uh, they, they were visiting Ezekiel, but they're there just for the entertainment. They just like to hear what he has to say, but they're not really going to do it. Uh, they're, they're not really going to honor God or obey God in any way. And so now what happens in chapters 15 to 17, so chapters 15, 16, and 17, Ezekiel tells three parables. He tells a parable in chapter 15, a parable in chapter 16, and then a third parable in chapter 17. And a parable, as you probably know, is is a story that illustrates a biblical truth. It's a story that illustrates a biblical truth. Jesus, of course, when we hear parables, we think of Jesus. Jesus used parables in his teaching. He didn't start out using parables, but he switched to parables in his teaching, using these stories to illustrate truth, biblical truth. And when Jesus began to use parables, his disciples actually asked Jesus, why? Why are you now teaching in parables? And listen to Jesus' answer. This is in Matthew chapter 13, if you're taking notes. Jesus' answer to that question, why do you speak in parables? It's, it's quite revealing. He said, because... It has been given to you, my disciples, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, the crowd, it has not been given to them to know the kingdom of heaven. Jesus switched to teaching in parables because the people were unwilling to receive his teachings when he taught, you know, just in plain language, straightforward. They didn't receive it. They didn't believe it. They didn't obey it. And so he began to teach in in parables. Because the people weren't really listening. The people weren't willing to obey the plain teaching. You think about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus had huge crowds. Thousands upon thousands of people that came to hear Him. But most of them came for entertainment purposes. Most of them came just out of curiosity. Just to hear this this guy from Galilee. 
They, they, they weren't there to receive really what he was saying and what he was teaching and to obey his teachings and to, to follow him as his disciples. Now, God gave them, you know, every opportunity to accept the message of Jesus. Uh, you know, God uh, confirmed the ministry of Jesus with, with miracles. So people were hearing the teachings. They were seeing the miracles. But even after hearing all the teachings and seeing all the miracles, uh, mo- most people still didn't believe. You just think about uh, when Jesus fed the multitudes, 5,000 men plus women and children, maybe 10,000 people or more were there in the crowd. After the crucifixion, there's 120 people in the upper, upper room. Where'd everybody go? Well, they weren't really there to be disciples. They were just there for the entertainment. They were just there out of curiosity. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. So Jesus shifted to teaching and parables. Those who refused to believe would not understand the parables. They would just seem like odd stories. But those who uh, did believe in Jesus, they would understand the deeper meaning, the spiritual meaning of the the parables. Just like in Ezekiel's day, the elders didn't take Ezekiel's message seriously And so God now has Ezekiel teach in parables. So most of the people aren't really going to understand what Ezekiel is trying to communicate through these parables. And so now in chapter 15, Ezekiel tells a parable. In chapter 15, he's going to tell a parable about a vine. In chapter 16, he'll tell a second parable about an unfaithful wife. And then in chapter 17, he tells a parable about shoots growing out of a tree. So he's going to tell a parable about a vine, about an unfaithful wife, and about shoots growing from a tree. And he uses these three parables to explain not only the sin of the nation, but the reason for God's judgment. And God doesn't just, you know, pull these three parables out of the air arbitrarily or randomly. When he talks about a vine and when he talks about an unfaithful wife and he talks about shoots growing out of a a tree. These, These are full of meaning. These are full of symbolism for the Jewish people. Now, remember, remember the false prophets that are both in Jerusalem and Babylon. They're telling people God would never judge you. God's never going to condemn you. God's never going to destroy Jerusalem. He's never going to destroy the temple. 
And the reason they were, they were giving for why God would never bring judgment upon them or upon their city, Jerusalem, or upon their temple is because you're God's special vine. It's all throughout the scriptures. You're God's vine. And you are the wife of Jehovah. The people of Israel are described in the scriptures as the wife of Jehovah. God wouldn't divorce his wife. And God promised that out of the stump of Jesse, Isaiah chapter 11, out of David's family will grow a shoot, a new branch from the old root who will rule forever. Speaking of the Messiah. So God's not going to harm the tree that's going to bring forth the Messiah. So do you see what God's doing now? God's going to talk about a vine. He's going to talk about an unfaithful wife. And he's going to talk about shoots coming out of a tree. And he does this to really knock down their false sense of security. God's never going to do this to us. Not our people, not the Jewish people, not the Hebrews. We're, we're the special vine. We're the wife of God. Out from us will come the Messiah. And they had this false sense of security. There are people who have a false sense of security in their relationship with God. And, and you you've know people like that. You, you talk to some people and they'll, about their relationship with God and they say you know, things like, well, I, I, was, uh, I was baptized as a kid. Or I was dedicated as a kid. Or I was confirmed. Uh, or I, I, I used to be a deacon in my church. Or I used to be involved in this ministry. We'd, we'd go out on a Friday night. We'd go out in the streets and pass out tracts and pray with people. And, and all those things are wonderful and great. But, but what about now? Are you abiding in Christ now? Is there a relationship there now? And sometimes people have kind of this false sense of security because of something that God did in their life a long time ago or something that they did for the Lord a long time ago and they're trusting and oh, I used to do this. I used to be involved in that. And, but what about now? Are you abiding in Christ now? That's, that's, that's what's important. And again, we don't want to have a false sense of security. In our relationship with the Lord. We, we want our relationship with the Lord to be current. So verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 15. So then the word of the Lord came to me. Again, they're sitting in Ezekiel's living room there in Babylon. He's sitting with the elders. The word of the Lord came to him again saying, Son of man, how is the wood of the vine better than any other wood? The vine branch, which is among the trees of the forest, is wood taken from it to make any object? Or can men make a peg from it to hang any vessel on? Instead, it is thrown into the fire for fuel. The fire devours both ends of it and its middle is burned. It is, is it useful for any work? Indeed, when it was whole, no object could be made from it, how much less will it be useful for any work when the fire has devoured it and is, it is burned? Now, he talks about a vine here. Many times in the Scriptures, God used the vine or a vine to illustrate as an illustration of the nation of Israel. There's a bunch of examples. I'm just going to give you a couple. 
again, if you're taking notes, you can jot down Psalm 80. Psalm 80, verses 8 and 9 say, uh, You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it. The vine that he brought out of Egypt. That's, that's the children of Israel, right? The Exodus story coming out of Egypt. He cast out the nations, the Canaanite nations in the promised land, and he planted them in the promised land. Uh, another passage, Isaiah chapter 5. This is maybe the best known example from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 5. Again, here Israel is compared to a vineyard. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. God says, what more could I could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. Then he tells us in verse 7, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. So he tells us there that he's talking about the house of Israel when he's describing this vineyard that he has planted, he's, he's cleared the land, he's removed the rocks, he's planted the vineyard, he's built a tower, he's put a hedge around it for protection. And God even says, what more could I have done to make this, this vineyard fruitful? But it kept bringing forth wild grapes, grapes that I couldn't use. And so finally, he tears down the hedge and he burns the vineyard and he says, briars and thorns will grow up. It's just going to be an abandoned field. Uh, because he couldn't get it to produce any, any fruit. So that's Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, just a couple more for you. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into this degenerate plant of an alien vine? You could do a whole study, and I encourage you to do that, of just... How God uses the vine and uses the vineyard to illustrate Israel. Uh, In the New Testament, Jesus does as well. In Luke chapter 20, Jesus told the parable, if you remember, of the man who planted a vineyard and then he leased out the vineyard. Uh, And then when it came time to collect the rent, to collect his portion of the harvest, he sent his servants, uh, he sent his servant to the vine dresser that had rented the land. And the vine dresser uh, mistreated the servant. And so he kept sending servants to the vine dressers. And they kept abusing the servants and even killing some of the servants. 
And then finally, the owner of the vineyard says, I'll send my son because I know they'll respect my son. And they decide if we kill the son, then we can just take the land and the land will be ours. He asked me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ezekiel together. If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, feel free to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy, and when it gets busy, it can be hard to find the time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also love to be praying for you. So when you call, feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart. And we'd be happy to pray with and for you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Ezekiel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize.